Hello, this is Charlie Eden. Or is this a robot that the government sent to replace Charlie Eden? It is not. Or is that what the government would program me to say? It is February 21st. I am a day late on posting this podcast, but nonetheless, I am talking to Maya Resnick about our favorite conspiracy theories. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lounge Talk. My guest today is Maya Resnick. Hey guys! And today we are going to be talking about conspiracy theories. So I have a story for you to start us off. Alright, let's hear it. There's a Japanese composer. His name is Mamoru Samuragochi. Mm-hmm. And he is a deaf composer, and he's considered to be the digital age Beethoven. That's what people called him. And he made music for movies, for video games. He made a couple symphonies, and he was like a pretty big deal. People really liked him in Japan. A few years ago, I want to say 2014, he comes out and he, and he reveals to the world that he lied about being deaf the entire time. Wow. Not only that. He never wrote a single piece of music. All of his music was ghostwritten. So this huge Japanese composer, turns out he's lying about everything. So he's a total fraud. A total fraud, this guy. Now, I'm not saying that Stevie Wonder is a total fraud in any sense. I love his music. However, I will propose to you a few points, a few uh, happenings, and you can be the judge of whether or not you think Stevie Wonder is actually blind. Because this is like a famous, fun internet theory that goes around right, that I really it, like. Let's hear it. So, some, so, the first thing is Stevie Wonder tends, has attended a lot of basketball games. And he wears watches often. And he owns a couple televisions in his house. So that's something that people turn to and is like, okay, I don't think the normal blind person would go to a basketball game. But it's for, for the experience, maybe? I yeah, think. so I, that's what, right. I, I'm kind of on that, on your page on that. It's like, that proof alone doesn't tick me off so much. However, three stories. First, in 2014, there was a giant performance of Hey Jude by the Beatles, which included Stevie Wonder. He's standing in the front row, and I want to say it was Paul McCartney walks by and bumps into a microphone. And if you watch the video, it looks like Stevie Wonder catches the microphone, which would suggest that he, which would suggest that he can see the microphone. Two years later, in 2016, Stevie Wonder is opening an envelope at the Grammys. And he struggles to open the envelope, and it looks like he's only able to get it after he looks down at it. So people, mm-hmm. that blew up the internet because people were like, there's no way he'd be able to open the envelope by, after he looks at it if, unless he could see the envelope. Definitely suspicious. Third story, this is kind of a trio, trio of stories. First off, Lionel Richie and Anthony Anderson have both been on talk shows talking about weird stories they've had with Stevie Wonder. My favorite, though, is from Shaquille O'Neal who claimed on live television that he was once in an elevator and Stevie Wonder walks in and says to him, what's up, Shaq, big dog, without without any sort of initiation from Shaq. Okay, so there's no way this man is blind. There's no way. Well, that's assuming that all of this is true. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to call him out. Assuming right. that these people are not lying, it does suggest something iffy. I mean, there, there are some explanations I can think of. Um... TV, maybe it's not just for him. Watch for the style. Maybe he can, like, maybe he'd heard who was in the elevator. Maybe he could hear the footsteps and detect it. 
I don't know. I don't know. Something's not quite adding up. Right. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. So what I like about this conspiracy theory in general, which is what I want to talk about first before we get into the bigger conspiracy theories that we researched, is I like this conspiracy theory because it's relatively harmless. You know what I mean? It's, you're attacking a big-time celebrity, but at the end of the day, it's relatively harmless. Right, the implications and obviously, are very small. I believe that Stevie Wonder is blind. Right, and, and at the, even if he's not, the implications are very small because his music is amazing. I enjoy listening to it, and mm-hmm. no harm, no foul. Right, nothing changes. Now, what gets to be a lot more dangerous is when you have people who start to form these kind of cultish, cultish groups around conspiracy theories. QAnon is the most famous one. I know that you know a lot about that. So I'm curious, when do you think that a conspiracy theory becomes dangerous rather than what I would call good fun? Hmm. Well, when I was doing my research on QAnon, I stumbled upon a forum of people who, quote, lost their family members to the Q. So they talk about how, like, their mothers and their siblings were, like, so obsessed and so engrossed with this theory that they could not function as regular human beings. And, like, day-to-day occurrences, they'd somehow manage to attribute to the Q and to the deep state. And it's like, when when it takes over your own life and isn't just something that is the way that you see, like, famous people or po- politicians even. Like, the second that begins to affect you and the people around you, it is no longer harmless fun. Um, QAnon has had so many real-life implications. I might argue that the election of Donald Trump was very much in part due to QAnon supporters. Like, this is not, this is not a harmless conspiracy theory. Um... So, the conspiracy theory that I brought is arguably decently harmless. However, it implicates some very big things. So, I brought the conspiracy theory on the death of Princess Diana, which is a very famous event. Uh, Everyone knows where they were when Princess Diana died. Everyone who was alive in in the 90s. What's the commonly believed... I'm doing that in air quotes because it feels appropriate for the episode. What is the commonly believed story? So, I'll tell you the official story... I'll give you a little bit of background first on who Princess Diana was. She was married to Prince Charles. They had a very tumultuous marriage. They met 13 times before they married, and at the time that they married, he was in love with Camilla, who is the woman he is currently married to. Um, He was not supposed to marry her because she did not fit the role of the beautiful princess. She had been divorced. She was not a good fit for the crown. So he married Diana. She was 20. He was seven years older than her. Um, This marriage notoriously fell apart under the public eye, where one time in an interview he was asked, are you in love? And he laughed, he scoffed, he went, yeah, whatever love means. Uh, And one time in a different interview, she was asked about the marriage, and she said, well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded, because, because her husband had been cheating with Camilla for the entire time that they were together. And that's who he's now married to. That's who he's now married to. Just a piece of the story. So her sons, uh, Princes Harry and uh, William? William? Yeah. I can't say my knowledge on the royal family is great. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. Right. Um, so she is the mother of the heir to the throne. So she is, whether or not he, she was with Charles, she was a very important figure. So not long after their marriage, they divorced in 1996. And she was lonely and she was very depressed. And she 
actually talked very openly in her time in Buckingham Palace about her depression, her bulimia, her self-harm. She was absolutely miserable, and this was a terrible look for the royal family. So she and the queen had their disagreements, did not get along, but she was like, she was known as the people's princess. People loved her. She was the most photographed woman in the world in her time. I've seen videos of Princess Diane running races at her kids' school mm-hmm. and smiling with passerbyers who are like, oh, Princess Diana. So I guess that's pretty obvious that she is well-loved. She's well-loved. She's notoriously a great mother, very involved, was not going to be told how to raise her children. Um, so there were, there were a couple moments in the time that they were together that leads to a more suspicious narrative for the way that she died. Now, there's a letter that she sent her her butler before she and Charles divorced that said that she was scared that Prince Charles was planning planning her death. Um, here, I can, I can By find By planning it. her death, you mean Prince Charles was interested in killing her? Interested in staging an accident. The exact quote is, My husband is planning an accident in my car. Brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for him to marry. So that is damning evidence that something happened. Um, okay, so flash forward to the day before she dies. She tells the public that, um, that she has a message to, to share with everyone the next day. She was, at that time, dating Egyptian billionaire Dodi Fayed, um, whose father owned like, loads of property. Mohammed Al-Fayed was a very important man. Anyway, so he had been ring shopping, and it's unclear if he, had, he was going to propose to her or not, but the theories are that he was going to propose to her that night, or that he had, and that she was pregnant with his child, which would have incensed the queen to no end if it were true, because royal family... The, you, they don't you like know. to be messed with. The, they don't like to be messed the with. Only, the only exposure I've had to the royal family is the whole Meghan Markle thing, and the royal family obviously does not like to be messed around with. Right, right. They're very traditional in, in that sense. She was like, she was such a cool woman. She did not fit their, like their bill. She there was one time when she shook hands with an AIDS patient. This was like one of her most famous moments, um, because at that time people thought that you could get AIDS from like, just regular skin to skin contact with an AIDS patient. And by shaking this man's hand and catching it on video, she was, like, breaking down the stigma. And that was, like, a very powerful moment. She was also a huge activist against landmines, which will come back later in some of the theories. Anyway, so the night that she dies, she dined at the Ritz Hotel, and there were too many people there. There was so much paparazzi, again, most photographed woman in the world. So they took their food up to their hotel room. And later that night, sometime after midnight, uh, there was this man named Henri Paul. And he was their driver to take the two of them from the hotel to Dodi Fayed's apartment. Um, This man was not a driver. He was a security guard. There's no reason why he should have been driving them. And footage later later reveals that he had had two... uh, He had had some amount to drink. It was unclear at the time. And on their way there, they were being chased by the paparazzi. And the car reached 70 miles per hour before, reading, before reaching the Pont de la Mont Tunnel. They were in Paris. Um, anyway, so 
The car was followed super closely by the paparazzi. They were going way too fast. And um, the driver, Henri, crashes straight into a pillar. And the car is totaled. And he and Dodie die on the scene. The bodyguard who was in the car was the lone survivor. And Diana looked mildly okay. She had a huge gash on her leg. And she had, like, severe chest injury. But she was still conscious. She was still alive. Um... In France, as opposed to in the UK, they have a rule where you treat someone on site as opposed to taking them to the hospital right away. So they treated her on site, and she didn't get to the hospital until around 2 a.m., which is very suspicious considering the accident was sometime around 12.30. Um, anyway, so she suffered a concussion, a broken arm, gashed to her thigh. She was operated on for two hours, but she died of internal bleeding around 4 a.m. And her body was embalmed almost immediately after she was dead, because they wanted to take the beautiful princess to be seen one last time by her people. So she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, which had something to do with the fact that she died. It's theorized that had she been wearing a seatbelt, she would still be alive. But she was not wearing a seatbelt to duck and avoid being photographed. So that story that, you're t- that you've just told us, that's the official story of what happened? That, that is the official That story, story is conspiracy theory free? Mm-hmm. So where, where do the dark, the dark tunnels begin? Well, there, there are a few, a few parts of the story that don't quite sit well, sit well with the public. First of all, there were upwards of a dozen cameras in that tunnel, and there is no footage of the crash. Even all the paparazzi, with everyone that was chasing her, there is no footage found of the actual incident, only of the car after the fact. So that would suggest that... Oh, so there is footage of the car being crashed? There is footage of the car after it had crashed, the paparazzi, instead of calling 911, instead of helping, immediately after the crash, they were photographing it, which is something that made the British public so upset afterwards, but there is no actual footage of the crash itself. So that would suggest some sort of footage deletion? Some kind of tampering, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll list a few pieces of the story that don't quite add up. First of all, how long it took to get her to the hospital. It should have been much sooner than an hour and a half afterwards, especially considering she didn't appear so injured afterwards, where it didn't seem likely that she would die just from those injuries. Um, There was a white Fiat Uno spotted leaving the tunnel, and this car is later um, tied into a different conspiracy theory about MI6, which is the UK's, like, secret service. Um, And there was a flashing light reported. And I'll give the backstory to the flashing light. MI6, this organization, it was reported by a man named um, Richard Tomlinson, Tomlinson, who was a former MI6 agent who wanted to write a book about um, all the shady things that MI6 has done. And so what he said was, in an assassination attempt to a different leader, some... It was it was uh, Serbian President Slobodan Milosevic. They wanted to kill him, and they planned an accident in which they would blind the driver of his car with strobe lights, and then the car would crash. They'd make it seem like an accident. And people in the tunnel reported seeing strobe lights moments before Princess Diana passed. Um, anyway, so that's that's one piece of the story that does not quite add up. The crash site itself has a lot of these happenstances that don't really make sense. 
mm-hmm. is what you're getting at. Right, the fact that it was even in a tunnel in the first place, somewhere where the public can't see her in the process, like, it feels, it feels just a little bit too coincidental. Right. Um, so would, what would be the reason... So I think behind every conspiracy theory, there's at the core some sort of reason, not only that people would believe it, but also that someone would want to perpetrate whatever action is being caused. So we talked about QAnon before, for example, the reason that people want to believe in it is because they feel let down by their country. And the the reason that they think people are involved in QAnon is because they want to eat children and make a lot of money. Right. Right. So in this case, what are those two situations? Why would the public want to believe this? And why does the public believe that this may have gotten carried out in a very suspect way? So, first of all, it was a great tragedy when she died. She was, like, she was the rose of the royal family. Everyone loved her, and they had a hard time believing that such a devastating tragedy could have really just been an accident. How could someone as powerful and beautiful as Princess Diana die by something as simple as drunk driving? It just felt so unlikely to them. Something like 40% of the British public believed afterwards that she was assassinated because they just refused to believe that it, it wasn't. There was, there was this operation called Operation, operation Paget, that was led by the British government that looked into 175 different theories for how she could have died. And every single one of them led back to the response that it was just an accident. But people wouldn't let go of it. Um, one person, actually, who continued to perpetrate these theories was Mohammed Al-Fayed, Dodi's father. Um, he refused to let this just be an accident because he felt that his son had been taken away from him and he felt that the crown had something to do with it and that they were racist and they were upset with the thought of the the king-to-be having a stepbrother who was half Egyptian. Um, Also, I'll get back into some of the the figures there. There was Trevor Rhys-Jones, who was the one bodyguard who survived the accident, and he had his whole face shattered in the process, had facial reconstruction surgery, and says he remembers very little of the incident. And he was attacked nonstop by the public, saying, you were involved, you were an MI6 agent, the fact that you were the only person to survive meant that you took some sort of part in it. Which, I'm guessing he denies that. He, of course he denies it, of course. And he would deny it whether or not it was true. Right. Um... There's another figure in this story who is arguably much less relevant, but it depends how deep you want to look into it. This man named Jean-Paul James Anderson. He was a paparazzi, and he had a deal, he had struck a deal with Diana where he could take pictures of her on her terms, and he got rich off this deal because she got the privacy that she wanted by being photographed only when she was okay with it, and in return, he got the most lucrative deal on planet Earth for a paparazzi. So he claimed not to be in Paris that night, but his car was found leaving that tunnel, this, this white Fiat Uno. Um, and they had had pictures of the car, and they traced it back to him, even though he had sold it after the incident. And he claimed to be not present on the scene, but before the police could question him, he had committed suicide, hmm. which is very suspicious. That would suggest some sort of information hiding. Some sort of, something that he knew, something right. that he knew. And the thing is, it wasn't ridiculous for MI6 to do this. Um, the ex-MI6 uh, agent, um, Richard Tomlinson, he said that 
it, MI6 absolutely has the capacity to stage these kinds of accidents. Um, I want to I wanna defend the official story for a sec. The paparazzi member who took his own life, that, it's very possible that when Princess Diana died, he was so heartbroken because he had dedicated his life to taking pictures of her that in that moment he felt very, very lost. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely possible, and it's also possible that the suicide was unrelated to Princess Diana. Right. I it, guess it's all a matter of belief. It's all a matter of what you choose to believe. Right. So I will present to you um, the five official theories very shortly. I've, I've touched on the MI6 one, where Henri Paul was paid to intentionally crash the car. Um, and Mohammed Al-Fayed, that's the theory that he continues to claim is true to this day. So then there's theory number two, which is that the medical care was sabotaged. Unclear by who? Possibly by the Crown. Because she was not taken to the hospital or she was treated on site. Um, it seems likely that she would have survived. However, this theory was shot down when they found out that there was no way she could have survived because the actual cause of her death was a tear in the vein in her lung, which was so rare and so fatal that no surgery could have saved her at that point. Three, this is not as much of a conspiracy theory as much as it is sort of the truth, is that she predicted her own death. Uh, she sent that letter to her butler saying that her husband was planning her own death in a car in an accident, which was the case. And the day before, she had made an announcement that she had something to tell the public the next day. And then the next day she died. She was paranoid the entire time that she was in, that she was in Buckingham Palace. And after, after she discovered that her then husband Charles was cheating on her, she cheated on him with her bodyguard, Barry Manneke. And he died in, uh, in a terrible accident. But she wrote in a letter that she believed it wasn't an accident and that he had been, quote, bumped off. Um, okay, another theory that is a little bit loose, there isn't really much to hold on to there, is that because of her activism with landmines, she had a list of people who she wanted to take down, of organizations that were responsible for landmines, and this was a super lucrative business for them, and they didn't want that information to be leaked. It seems unlikely, it's a little bit loose, she was not the only activist about landmines, unlikely, shot down. And the fifth theory, which is, in my eyes, the most optimistic, but also probably one of the less likely ones, is that she faked her own death to get away from the public eye. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's... The story of Princess Diana. The story of Princess Diana's death. Do yeah. you believe this conspiracy theory? Do I believe this conspiracy theory? I believe that there was some sort of tampering... I do believe that there were people who wanted her dead. Um, but also, I, I, drunk driving, it, it adds up as an accident. It really does. Right. I will say, based on what you presented, I'm not so ready to jump full into this theory. But I will say, it has interested me enough that I would look into it more to see what I wanted to believe. Now, the conspiracy theory that I have brought for you today is very similar in stature, but much different in 
what it actually is. So I'm gonna I am going to be talking about the assassination of Robert Kennedy. So there are two theories behind this. One of them is JFK-esque in that at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. And then one of them is it's my favorite conspiracy theory. It's crazy. It blows my mind. So the first theory is that there were two shooters. So what happened is Robert Kennedy was having this he was having this campaign rally in an LA hotel and a guy named Sirhan Sirhan shoots him and he dies. Now, all of this all of this investigation has been done and they have found that the wound that they think was the fatal shot actually came from behind his right ear. Hmm. However, it's said that Sirhan and RFK were actually facing each other at the time of this shooting, which would suggest that there might have been a second person to pull the gun. Now, other eyewitnesses actually do claim that it wasn't really face-to-face, and it was more like face-to- kind of right side of the body, so it's possible that maybe he could have hit behind the ear in theory. Another thing to suggest that there are two shooters is that the number of bullets in the whole scene after the fact seemed to be 13. However, the gun that Sirhan used could only hold eight bullets. And this is supported by an audio recording of the situation in which you can kind of hear 13 shots, which again is more than Sirhan could possibly shoot. Now, there's a few candidates for the second shooter. Some people think it's uh, his security guard, Thane Eugene Caesar. He wasn't a big fan of the Kennedys as a, as a political family, but when he was interviewed by the LAPD, they didn't consider him to be a suspect. People also think there was some foul play in the bullet that was taken out of Kennedy's, Kennedy's body. Some peop- in, in 2011, Sirhan's lawyers actually filed a brief to a court that claimed that the bullet taken from RFK's neck was switched in evidence to match Sirhan's gun. Mm-hmm. And this was looked into. I don't think it really went anywhere. My my view on that is that it's generally relatively harmless. There might be a second shooter, but two shooters, one shooter, he was still killed. And if that's where you want to, if you want to believe that there were two shooters, I'm not going to comment on that. Right, does it really change right. the narrative does, so much? Right. Now here... This part of the theory is, if if it is true, it takes us onto a whole new path of government corruption and foul play in government. No one will deny that Sirhan Sirhan was in the room. Mm-hmm. However, Sirhan has claimed, and claims to this day, that he has zero memory of the assassination. He does not remember it happening. He doesn't remember shooting RFK. This is what he, he has said this many times, and he still says it to this day. And he says this in self-defense right this is what he says he says he's never remembered it however there is something called mancurian candidate hypothesis that's like the name of the theory so what is it it's a it's a theory that sirhan was hypnotized by the cia to kill robert kennedy and then had his memory wiped sounds crazy that is such a reach that is such a reach well well hold on they can send their own assassin it gets it gets better there's a psychologist named Edward Simpson, Callis, who spent 35 hours interviewing and working with Sirhan. After those 35 hours, he openly supported the theory that Sirhan actually has no memory of it and was hypnotized. It gets even better. That's ridiculous. It gets even better. There, there is an illusionist named Darren Brown, 
and he has a TV show series, a four-part TV show series called The Experiment. The Experiments, sorry. It's four one-hour specials, quoting his website, that seek to answer powerful questions about human nature. The first episode of these four is called The Assassin. In this episode, using the exact method that is alleged by conspiracy theorists that I will tell you in a second, he hypnotizes a person to shoot someone in front of an entire stage of people and not remember any of it. Now, if you want to believe that it's actually real and not, or if you want to believe that it's fake TV scripted, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But in theory, if Darren Brown was actually able to do this, then we know that it's possible. And Darren Brown has any relation to the CIA? I've, or? No, no relation. No. He's, a, he's, a, he's a European hypnosis. I've been to one of his shows. It's really? amazing. It's, he is insane. It is crazy what this guy can do. So in theory, if it is true that he got... He, pro, he programmed someone in this episode. This guy, you, he shows you this entire process. And at the end of the episode, this guy goes to a lecture by an author, gets up, in front of the crowd, everyone everyone else in the crowd is kind of told what's going to happen. So is the, and the author is obviously in on it. He gets up with a gun, shoots the author. The author like falls to the stage and everyone like reacts as if it's real. This guy sits back down and then after the fact, Darren Brown interviews him and says, and, and the guy remembers none of this. Eventually, eventually, after like hours of kind of telling over the whole thing, he kind of has a memory of it. But in the episode, the guy does not remember this happening. So this is this is what people say is the method the CIA uses, and this is the method in his episode. Hmm. Wow. There's this character in the story, the woman in the polka dot dress. And it's believed that this polka dot dress was used as a hypnotic trigger for Sirhan Sirhan. So it's unden- it's pretty much undeniable that the, a woman in a polka dot dress was at the scene of the assassination. Many, many people have seen her going they in and out footage. of the hotel. They have footage of her being there. Someone claims, though, that she said... We shot him. Quote, we shot him. Hmm. We being the CIA in this theory, him being RFK. Wow, now, okay. The, the method that conspiracy theories buy into is that Sirhan Sirhan had gone through this hip, hip, hypnotic process with the CIA and was programmed that when he would see this polka dot design, something else would take over his mind and shoot RFK. And then he and then when she kind of walked by again with the polka dot dress, it would re-trigger him, it would untrigger him, I guess, and he would forget it. And this this is the process that Darren Brown uses in his episode where he does this exact same experiment. I just have one question. Why all the extra steps? The CIA has assassins. The CIA could so easily send someone to kill RFK. Why go through the process of the hypnosis? Here's what I think. The CIA could hire someone to kill RFK. However, one, what if he talks? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, there's no real guarantee of silence. Two, what if some sort of record is traced back to a meeting with this person? In the case of Sirhan, and in this theory, they program so he could have no memory. So there's no way that... There's no way that he could tattletale. And... This whole the, the, the CIA hip, hypnotic process is has more been coined by the public rather than him. Interesting. This sounds very similar to a different conspiracy theory, which I, I'm not going to get into, but it's called MK Ultra. It's where um, it started in the in the 50s and it was really quickly shut down and 
all the files of it were supposedly deleted, it was not all deleted. And it was responsible for bringing LSD to America. It's a super famous theory about, like, erasing the human mind, trying to mind control. Um, this sounds very similar. Yeah, like, something, the- something that kind of takes me off in a way that... Something that kind of takes me off in a way that makes me buy into the theory a little bit more is that it's, it's generally known that the government is hiding a lot of stuff from us, and a lot of it in good faith, because if we knew all the stuff the government knew about things we would probably be in public crisis mode all the time. Very fair. But who knows, at the end of the day, who knows what they are hiding? And I don't want to suggest that anyone's government is hiding some big elaborate scheme and hurting their people or anyone, but people in the government in general were threatened by the Kennedy family, and what's to suggest that these government organizations are doing things that we don't know about in complete secrecy under government allowance hmm that's very interesting no there's there's really no way of knowing what the government is up to who knows if there's an area 54 and if the government is using lsd to try to mind control people into shooting political figures there there's really no way of keeping on top of it but does that suspicion really is that enough for you to believe this theory i believe the theory in a, when I watched this episode of Darren Brown's show, mm-hmm. it immediately made me believe this theory. Not because I really believe it, but because I watched it, I watched it and I was like, "Wow, this is so cool." So my desire to my desire to believe in it comes from a place of how crazy is how crazy is the psychology behind all of this like mind control, hypnotic triggering that this could happen. And that's more of why I buy into it in a certain sense. I wouldn't go around saying that the CIA killed RFK and, you know, the CIA is after everyone. But it is, of all the conspiracy conspiracy theories out there, it is definitely one that I would rank on the higher end of my list of what I believe in. The motive is definitely clear. Right. I mean, RFK was a threatening political figure. The Kennedys were in general. And every single Kennedy death has a conspiracy theory behind it. Right. By the way, if you want to keep diving into it, JFK's JFK's theory is one of the most famous. It's equally cool with the guy with the umbrella. We won't go into that. So I guess a final question I want to ask you, and I'll answer it myself first because I want you to have the last word on this. Why do people like to believe in conspiracy theories in general? The, the way that I look at it is, one, there's an entertainment value. I think there are a lot of these things like flat earth that are, at the end of the day, they're kind of pure entertainment because even if the earth is flat, it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. Right, the, the harmless the, theories. Right. The bigger thing that I think kind of kind of divides the world in general when you get to, when you get to stuff like QAnon is people want to believe in these things because they feel downtrodden and eventually there's only there's only one shining light to turn to and it could be really harmful, and a lot of times it can be some sort of theory that, at the end of the day, doesn't make a lot of sense. That's kind of that's kind of how I look at it. I'm wondering if you look at it any different. I'll tell you, first of all, the most obvious reason is that the human mind is wired to seek out patterns. So even if there is no pattern, even if life is random, even if it was one gunman or two gunmen, we're looking for the interesting story, the pattern, the thing that drives, that, that ties together the letter that Diana wrote with the lack of footage, with the fact that she didn't get to the hospital on time. Um, 
I don't know, people want to believe that everything happens for a reason, and they, it's, it's hard to think that things are random and that things are randomly bad, right? If things are going poorly and we think that the government is mistreating us and that we are downtrodden and that good people are dying for no reason, that's a, that's a hopeless world to live in. And these theories, whether they're deranged, whether there's truth to be found in them, whether they're entirely true, they give people hope. I agree. I suggest to the listeners that it's very, very, it's a very fun activity to do research on these conspiracy theories. You can find yourself in a little bit of a rabbit hole, plenty of YouTube videos, plenty of articles. And if there's a theory that you are interested in, do more research and figure out what you believe in. Because at the end of the day, I don't think it's a wrong thing to believe in a conspiracy theory as long as you are conscious about what you're choosing to believe in. Right. As long as you don't get lost in that rabbit hole forever. Right. Right. Yeah. So I want to thank you, Maya, for joining me on this episode and you, the listeners, for tuning in. All right. Thank you, Charlie.